What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Mylan Advisors. I'm Jess Larson. This is our Innovation and Leadership Show, part of our Ideation Collective program. Today on the show, we've got Kelly Max. He's the president and CEO of Hoff here in the U.S. Because if you have an idea and a vision in your heart and your head, and you, you feel that you need to talk about it and you need to bring it in front of the customer, then do so. What you have to do, though, is you can't just come in with a PowerPoint slide. You have to create an experience for that customer. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to get involved with Child Rescue, the charity our founders started. To learn more about them, just come to our website, iCollective.co, and check on the Child Rescue tab on our menu. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let him become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper, but uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all, so I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Kelly, for everybody who doesn't know Hoff, can you tell us what Hoff is all about? Absolutely. Hi, Jess. Um, well, Hoff is a business transformation company. We actually um, started um, off 75 years ago um, with uh, bringing um, uh, compliance regulations to companies in Germany and making sure that they are compliant. And we actually printed paper. So we were a publishing house um, with new regulations. And then we went through a transformation ourselves to, to be ready for the digital age. And we acquired a company called Humantis, which is a talent management suite, which is the leading horse for the future right now, um, which basically offers from a technology standpoint, everything from recruiting, performance management, succession management, multi-perspective feedback, instant feedback, um, networking tools. Um, and we um, actually brought these two together and leveraged the power of both companies to develop a new offering that now allows companies to transform um, in an iterative way and basically scale up their agility level. Um, to be ready for the future and to be to strengthened from the inside. Well, um, <clears throat> I'm pretty excited to have you on the show. I think uh, we're going to have to tell a bunch of people what some of those things mean <laughs> and how that could actually make their businesses <laughs> better. But um, 
you know, let's let's talk about some fun things right off the bat. Uh, so one, th- this is one that not everybody's going to expect. You guys are proponents of uh, workplace democracy. Can you explain that? <laughs> yes. So I'm an I'm an elected CEO. Um, a couple of years back, um, like uh, I think four years, five years back now, our founder, Herman Arnold, um, he felt that he was not the right person anymore to lead the company into the next era. And um, he said, if we now, um, if we, we believe that employees run companies and if we stay true to our belief, we should actually let the employees decide who the next CEO is going to be and who the people believe the next CEO um, uh, should be in regards to leading it through through the through a really interesting growth era, and um, so he put he stepped down um, and he he started his spiral career uh, how we call it um, because he could step up at one point again, um, and he stepped down and he proposed um, Mark Stoffel um, as the CEO um, over there and um, said either you can vote for him or you can say we look externally. So that was kind of the starting point. The interesting thing is what we learned in this process is that it really um, had such an impact on the people that they now have a say in the, in the key leadership of the company that we expanded the election um, of roles um, for key leadership positions um, in the following year. So we did not just elect the CEO, we elected the COO, the CTO, the CIO, um, the, the global CEOs like me. Um, so we put all key positions that are elementary for the success of our company as leaders, um, we put up for election. And uh, it's a very, it's an interesting process. We learn how workplace democracy is different to um, democracy in a, in a country. And there are many types of democracies, as we know. And uh, we're actually learning as we go, but we're leveraging our creative confidence um, to, to op- optimize it as we go year by year. And there's really interesting things happening once elections come up and, and how it actually adjusts a little bit the whole company and, and, and basically gives it a new baseline for the next year to come or the next two years to come. Well, it's it's a fascinating idea, and I can see why you know it's got to spark tons of employee engagement when they're feeling like they've got a voice in their own future, right? Absolutely, it's um, it's it's. I mean, it has two sides, right? It has one on one side. I now I'm responsible to make a decision on the future of the of the business, and on the other side, as a as a, a nominee. Um, it really puts you in a position where you say all my titles, all my past stuff really doesn't matter. It's all about what can I offer the company um, for the next term and what can I offer the employees for the next term? So it's a really interesting process for yourself and also for you as a, as a voter. Yeah, no kidding. Well, um, <clears throat> let's talk. So obviously you're a pretty nice guy if you got elected CEO president here, and I, and I can attest to this because the viewer, the listeners don't know this, but uh, I can attest to how nice a guy Kelly is because we did this interview already a few months back, and my team lost the interview and had to call Kelly and say, "We want to apologize. We lost the interview. Do you want to do it all over again?" And he very graciously said yes, and and you guys get him today. Um, and one of the reasons that I was excited be- to have you back on was because I've talked to so many people about that interview. I feel like you guys have um, – you've done something that I feel like is a real future in business in general. Um, I look at how 
marketing went from being an art and I can say this is an art school dropout, right? A whole bunch of artists <laughs> and a very art and, you know, the John Wanamaker, half my advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half, right? And now with all the tracking and all the digital and the, the understanding there, you know, they're talking about chief marketing officers having bigger IT budgets than IT departments in the coming years, right? Because it's moving so much more to a science. Well, the largest cost for so many people in so many organizations is salaries, is the individuals. And we pay such lip service to empowerment and engagement and development. But you guys are putting actual numbers about that around that. And you, you've got like a, I don't know, you've got a pretty incredible system for, for a whole ecosystem of understanding our people, understanding the numbers of our people. Um, can you talk about, I don't know, if you see it the way I do, that this is really the future of, of leaders understanding their people? Yeah, you know, I love the I love the comparison to art and how marketing became more of an art. I think uh, in my in my heart, I'm an artist myself, and um, I think um, when we when we looked at our client base, um, a thousand uh, a thousand clients, and we looked at what we we're actually achieving with implementing our solution, we were really disappointed because um, ultimately we drove efficiency and we drove, um, we, we gave them a new, a new platform. Um, but when we actually measured the, the success on a user level, um, we did not get or we did not set energies free that we believe that how do you have to run an ecosystem that really enables and empowers people to perform at their peak and to, to um, work massively collaboratively collaboratively and to to really bring in everything that they have and we we started analyzing well what what is actually missing and and why are implementations how they're done today by the big guys and and also they have how they've been done by us in the past um what's actually missing in order to really put people in the center um and so we said the first thing um, that we that we have to look at is is technology really everything that we should look at or are there other elements and we, we came to the conclusion that there is um, a, a second dimension with it's really the organizational design um, that has to go in sync with the technology and technology has to support that organizational design but more important even or equally important is the fact of people empowerment and how I help people to adapt to that new organizational design so they're not overwhelmed um, and so that they, they, they know what it means to work in a network environment and not in a line function anymore or to maybe even have to work both. So the, the demand for the individual is so much higher because I have to work on in one project with 30 percent of my time and in another with 20. And then I still have to report to my line manager in my classic job. And so I now have to have three identities kind of that I have to take in um, in order to to be successful. And. In once we came to that 3D solution, um, putting these 3D in sync, um, and by leveraging design thinking internally for us, we actually came to the fact that we said, well, we have to measure this. We have to. Um, we want to make sure that if we take an, an iterative implementation process, and we we actually can improve as we go, and companies are open to to um, go with us through this process that is filled with uh, methodologies like um, developing a vision for the ecosystem based on with Lego bricks. So we're building two days Lego with our customers. 
um, or to, to um, do metro mapping, which is a new way of process mapping, which really looks at the user journey and does not, not really classic um, old school and boring Visio charts that nobody wants to read. Um, and and we, we, we implement those and we realize that we actually need a success scoring. And I think that speaks a little bit to your question. Um, we, we, ha- we said everything that we can measure, we can improve. Um, we are passionately, authentically interested in becoming a success company. We want to sell success at one point. We don't want to sell software. We want to make sure that if you want a certain organizational behavior, we are the guarantee for you to get this. And here's the way how it goes. So we meant to be, we came up with rhythmic success scoring. And Rhythmics is kind of the overall approach that entails the umbrella for all of this. And success scoring actually allows us to measure based on we develop certain KPIs for for these interventions like performance management, a feedback culture, um, leadership uh, training and development. So different different interventions that we bring to to our customers um, and we actually measure those um, iteratively. And then they they feed all into the overall success of the ecosystem, and that is rated by the user. So it's not the HR department or the boardroom um, or a, a steering committee that decides if the implementation with Hoff was successful or not. It's actually the users in the organization that are asked if the intervention meets the targets that we jointly agreed upon and how much it meets or, or, or how, 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 how well it meets the target. Based on that, we went even a step further and we said, um, we want to put our money uh, where uh, on the line with the customer. So we, we engage with the customer and we actually have a, we have a base license and then we have a variable success component. And if, the, if we get a low rating from the user, our variable component, our, our, our pay also goes down. If we get a high rating, our pay goes up. So we wanted to make sure that that whole structure is fully integrated and makes sense in itself. Um, and we're implementing it now since, since over, over a year now, um, very successfully with many companies, which also led us to some massive big deals um, recently. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk about those. So this is an approach that I think is amazingly um, attractive to customers of being willing to put something on the line for them, you know, instead of you take, all, you know, buy it from me, I'm sure it'll work. You take all the risk, right? Um, Exactly. On our last interview, uh, if I remember right, you're allowed to disclose kind of the the global revenues. Is that am I right on that? For how you- yeah, abso- yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're doing uh, uh, globally, we're doing roughly four hundred million dollars in revenue. And so, you know, just to put that in scale here, especially in in America, you know, there's these big names in training development, like a like a Franklin Covey, you know, might be the, one of the biggest names out there, right? You guys are literally double the numbers at least they disclose on their uh, public filings. You know, like this is <laughs> this is something obviously customers are liking. Um, so let, let's talk about uh, I think one of your coolest customers as far as uh, products go. Can you can you tell us about the big win? This two hundred eighty five thousand uh, employee yeah, customer well, would, you got. I would, I would love to have a button with an AMG uh, motor sound right now <laughs> while, while right. I bring it in. Um, but it was uh, Daimler. So we, we signed Daimler, um, 285,000 employees um, last year. And they, Daimler actually started with a Leadership 2020 initiative because they have to, the, the way that we look at cars, the car is becoming a platform. It's, uh, and Daimler has thousands of engineers, but they don't have the technolo- technological skills in order to compete with companies like Google and, uh, or Alphabet and, and, and an Uber. 
Um, and so now Daimler took a huge initiative driven through the CEO. It was actually, I think it came through HR, but then it was really the CEO who went into the press and said, we are turning this company upside down. We're making it agile. We're making it flexible. We want to make sure that we have an ecosystem that enables people to develop new business models. And um, they, we actually joined them uh, at the end of um, end of the third quarter last year. Um, and we're basically, as a partner, managing their whole transformation over the next years to um, be the leader in, in the car industry um, in 2020. Well, you know, um, we haven't talked about this yet, but one of my other consulting clients um, is an advertising agency that's been doing a little bit that I ended up helping with one of their programs out in the Bay Area, their R&D division out there. I mean, it's it's wild. Like, they are not... The things that came out of there were not things that I expected from a car company. I mean, talk about a progressive organization. Everybody thinks about Mercedes as this, you know, the ultimate luxury vehicle, you know, so safe, so fast, these kind of things. But um, it sounds like there's some people there that kind of want to take the future by storm. Oh, absolutely. I think that just yesterday or two days ago, I read an article um, where how Daimler and Bosch are um, teaming up and uh, together with Uber um, to bring truly self-autonomous cars, like in form of cabs and, and, and taxis that pick you up, and you go in, and the mood changes, and it reads the it reads how your emotion is, it plays music, so you're in a better state of mind, um, and they want to bring that um, self-driving autonomous um, uh, cars to to the market by in the, at the beginning of the next decade, and that's not really far away. Um, so that's three years, right? Um, so um, there's a lot happening in the in the innovation chambers of these companies. And the interesting thing is also Daimler. Like we, us as a company, we we brought an offering to the to the market for Daimler, for example, and Swisscom, a leading telecommunications provider in Switzerland, um, to work together and co-create the leading solution 2020. So not just for them to co-create Bosch and Uber and Daimler together, but we do the same. We bring them in a room. We do design thinking to develop um, the next performance management of the future or the next um, employee development plan, uh, um, tools or the next multi-perspective, multi-perspective feedback tools. So customers are opening up because they can learn so much from each other. And if you do that with industry-leading brands and they are willing to invest, um, it's it's tremendous what, what results we have been able to produce in the last six months only um, with that co-creation space. And so we're, we're kind of adapting and we see what we look, what we see in the market. And it's really fun and great to see how big brands work together to really change the way, change our culture, change the way we drive, change the way we live, change the, like it changes so much. And the car is such an elementary piece. So we're really excited to be part of this. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> thinking about the way we think of customers as a way to attract customers, you know, um, so many of us, whether we're actually, you know, on the front lines, sales or marketing, trying to get customers or whether we're running the systems inside of an organization that, that needs to get the customers. Um, my question for you is thinking about an organization, the size of a Daimler, you know, obviously with their reputation, Mercedes around the world, um, you know, they could choose whoever they want, right? They could have SAP or IBM with some Deloitte, you know, HR analytics. Um, what do you think it is 
that um, you guys were, what is it about Hoff that you guys were able to get that account? Why, why do you think that they went with you versus one of those other names? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, when, you, when you look at um, where we were um, two years ago and where Daimler was and how their whole mindset changed, they, they were looking um, at different elements. One is how does the world change um, in, in 2020 and in the next years? Um, and 2020 is kind of that mark that everybody shoots for, but it's really about the next 10, 20 years. And one thing that they realized is if we don't change, we will die. Like that, that was the, the, the driver of energy to really do something different. Um, the, the second piece was that they said it's, it's all about leadership. Um, if we, we want to lead the market with our products and we also want to have a leadership culture internally. Um, and last but not least, it is about new business models. And out of that, they basically developed and said, well, we need to, what we actually need is nothing that we feel that the large vendors like SAP, IBM or Workday can offer because Yes, they offer us the software, but they're not guiding us through the process of actually changing human behavior. And for us, if you now compare that to us where we were, um, we were with the approach that I explained a little bit at the beginning when we we started to develop um, more robust solutions around how you can actually um, drive behavioral change through organizational design, people empowerment and um, technology in sync. And it met at a moment where it was the perfect match. It was um, something where I believe um, Daimler would say, if they would be on the call, they, they said it was it was a big, bold move for us. But it was the move that um, allowed us to feel the most confident that somebody out there already explored Swarm organization itself, that explored um, th- uh, meth- uh, things like um, el- electing your leaders, and that had actually some inside data, not just a concept on paper, but still runs it like a rigid organization, but actually is really putting themselves into the test. And I think that 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 confidence that we brought to the table and for Daimler to say, if we want to do something different, we need to do different. We can't do what we've done over the last 125 years. Um, and so I think with that and with us really stepping up to the game and, and, and delivering and with them stepping up and saying we're taking the risk of going with a small vendor was somewhat developing an energy that was um, that was really magical. And it, it, it got to the point that where they said we're going with you and not with the others. Sure. Uh, congratulations again on that. Um, thinking about the principles that applied there, if you think about the rest of us who, um, you know, it's real easy in business to focus on the 800 pound gorilla in your industry and to think, Oh man, if only I could get the clients to go to them. Right. Um, do you have any principles or any maxims or any thoughts that you have of, Hey, the rest of us who want to steal market share from the big boys of what we do, any kind of mindset or, or advice you'd have for us? Yes. It's kind of how do you, how to land the whale, right? Um, and it has, it's the David against Goliath. And <laughs> I think, um, uh, I, I want to answer this in, a, in a, like one of the, like Maxime's from, from a company perspective, but, um, also from a personal perspective, because I think that's where it starts. I think the first thing is really, and it's a personal Maxime of mine and, and one that the company lives is the creative confidence. Um, at, at first it might seem that to solve a problem, to get this deal or to, 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 um, offer something that you might not be sure of. Um, what I always say is trust your creative confidence. You, it, it might be naive and some people look at it and say, why do you even spend time there? Because if you have an idea and a vision in your heart and your head, 
and you you feel that you need to talk about it and you need to bring it in front of the customer, then do so. What you have to do, though, is you can't just come in with a PowerPoint slide. You have to create an experience for that customer. These these sales cycles are somewhat between sometimes two years um, to, to six months on a large end, it's no, no way, but on small customers you have six months, but normally regularly you have an average probably of a year of a sales cycle to implement a new um, complete talent management ecosystem uh, or people ecosystem or a, a recruiting ecosystem. So what you have to do is um, you have to create an experience. Don't design the meeting, design the experience that you will be able to provide throughout that whole process. And if you then um, not just deliver in one or in the RFP or in the in-person meeting, um, but if you deliver every time and you give the basically you give the customer no chance to say yes to you, I think that's one of the big ones. Um, that's really what got us to the point with several customers is that we it might look above our head and um, we still took it. And throughout the process, we grew um, to actually be able to fully commit and deliver what we what the customer requires. And we also were able to lead the customer because um, we put things into context which were out of context at the beginning, um, maybe for the customer, but we put them into context by offering them starter workshops or um, like sometimes we, we go in, we do like the Lego series play workshop that we offer. We do it for free because we say experience what we're actually doing and then decide. Don't decide based on a bureaucratic RFP process because that will not get you anywhere. Why do you think so many of us... Um get too scared to take that risk of, you know, going and investing first in a client and doing a day's worth of work for free like that. That's not cheap, you know, especially if you're bringing your good people. Um, right. Why do you think so many of us uh, get stuck in the, well, I'll, I'll do something for you after you pay me? Why, why do you think it feels so risky to, to do what you're doing and investing in clients first? I think it's, um, you know, I think, I think it has on one side, it, it's the fear of failure. Um, what if it doesn't work? Um, then I have invested that money and then I have invested that time. But that's, it speaks to another maxim of mine, which, which I always, which I love to my life. It's, uh, where focus goes, energy flows. And I think we're not consciously steering our focus on the right topics. So if we focus on the negative downside, we will also not be strong enough in the process to deliver what we need because we're always doing it with the handbrake on. Um, and so we will never get that energy across. We're not resourceful enough um, to really to really provide that. So I think you have to cut off plan B uh, and say, no matter what, this is not a lost investment because in my head, I already won that deal. I think that's really that's really important. Um, so if uh, that, that that's one thing, I think the second the second thing is that sometimes um, it's uh, in, in these large deals, not just ourselves, it's not just the individual, it's not just me who won Daimler, it's a huge team who won Daimler. And I think um, you have to be careful about the, the dynamic of the group. I think you have to be very, very careful that you're not um, like in our case, for example, there were some people in the organization that were that said, well, I don't know. Um, this is this is really over our head. And I'm not I don't even talk to the customer. I don't know if this really is good for us that it might be uh, in danger um, for the organization because this might might be over our head and it's too big. And I think you have to communicate really well 
um, what you're actually planning to do and why the investment of a pre-workshop, for example, um, is the right investment because the benefit and the purpose of winning this deal is so much bigger for the organization um, than, um, than uh, being scared and, and not doing it. But the, the, the struggle is really in communicating this. Sales teams and business development teams are always out there and they're the guys that anyway always um, they, they are the, the flashy guys and they, they even inside the company, they're the flashy guys, <laughs> the flashy messages. And they always, the, 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 they're always the guys with the pros. Um, but I think you have to recognize the cons and then address them and come together and talk about them and, and really look at the, the, the big purpose of why winning a deal like that would be good. And if you then get the whole company behind, then you have everybody um, in, 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 or the, in, in the energy zone, everybody's actually understanding why this would be, um, a groundbreaking success for the company. You know, um, and we're, we need to cut it off for part one here in just a minute, but, um, for so many people who are the sales guy or are, are in leadership, it just sounds inefficient when you say that, right? It sounds like, well, no, of course we want the money. Of course we're going to go for it. Have some faith, you know? But the wisdom of like taking the time and making the investment amongst the people who don't even have veto power, right? I mean, it makes so much sense. Um, when, when you think about like if you were going to sum that up of the benefit of slowing down and making sure the whole team get, gets that level of education of why this is going to work for the company instead of cramming it down people's throats of, of course, this is good for the company. Now get on board. How, why would you, how would you sum that up of the benefit of that? I think um, really simple. I think it, it creates buy-in. Um, it, it creates also um, in like, let's say if I'm struggling as the leader um, in this process at one point and that happens, uh, I'm a human too. And sometimes you're like, oh man, maybe we, we went the wrong way. You suddenly have a backing team that says, no, um, you were the one who stood in front of me and you were the one who can do it. And it actually gives me energy and confidence to, to do the next step and believe in my creative confidence and the stuff that we're actually doing. I think that's one key benefit is really to, um, back each other up, um, with or without veto power. It doesn't matter. The energy that you create, um, in an organization can be so huge. Um, if you also appreciate the energy of the non-directly involved people, because it is the whole organism in a company that, that is actually talking, they're at the water cooler, et cetera. So it creates alignment um, and it creates um, actually a, a joint backing of each other in the phase of struggle. And, and I think that's a, that's a massive benefit. And I think the, the second piece um, I would say is that it ultimately also educates the company beyond that deal. So when you don't win that deal, but you still do that process, you add to the benefit of the collaboration and the way that teams work. You appreciate each other's uh, opinion and you educate people based on something that's over your head. Every innovation was always something that was not there. Every, every innovative deal win was something that was not there. So it actually lifts, the, it raises the bar, your standards in the organization. It allows for a vacuum to pull people up and become better. And so no matter if you win that deal or you don't, you will be a better company after. It's like the rising tide raises all ships, huh? Yeah. Love yeah. it. Okay, let's cut it off th there for part one. Please tune into the next episode. We're going to keep uh, getting our nuggets of wisdom here. Um, and uh, Kelly will be returning on a part two episode. Thanks so much for listening. We're going to cut off part one of the interview there in the interest of time. We've had feedback that people would rather have 20 to 30 minute episodes. So we're going to break the interviews in half. Please check back 
tomorrow for part two of the interview. And as always, come to iCollective.co for show notes. And to learn more about child rescue, go to the menu and, and look at our child rescue page and see if that's something that you'd like to get involved with. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for $2.99 subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara, cold-cut combo, veggie delight, or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.